Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. So, Greg, we're back. We are back. It's it's, it's been a it's been a fruitful week. For what reason? Um, I <laughs> took my boat out, which sucks because oh, right your, now took, the no, sailing you, you the you, sailing you took your boat out of the water. Yeah, not, not out, out not out for sale. I, I had uh, to I had to I had to put her out. The weather's so warm. It's twenty what twenty two degrees Celsius right now, which is like unseasonably gorgeous, and the warm. wind is great. And I had to pull my poor boat out, uh, but it was fruitful. It was one of those tasks that had to be done, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I'm really excited for our guest today. Mm-hmm. What's the segue though? I was just waiting for it. You're <laughs> well, the master well one, one interesting thing is um, is our guest is uh, he's got expertise around factoring, which is a really interesting topic that I think a lot of people know a little bit of, but probably need to understand it a little bit more to be able to take advantage of it. And mm-hmm. factoring is a really interesting financial tool, essentially. But what I'm really excited to talk to your nanny about is referral marketing and also outsourcing, uh, which is stuff that you and I are talking about all the time, Dave. Mm-hmm. As you and I talk about how we're going to take the boiling points to the next level, mm-hmm. referral marketing is massive. So without further ado, I would like to welcome you, Ernani Lung, on to The Boiling Point. From, welcome. From Florida, Ernani, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, we were talking earlier about how you, you came across us and, and you were saying you have these you know excellent people around you supporting you and, and getting your name out there. Um, tell us a little bit about the book you authored. Well, the book is called The Success Factor, Unconventional Wisdom for Small Business Success. And it has as its basic premise the reliance or advising you not to rely on conventional wisdom, but rather to look at, to rely on unconventional wisdom for the startup and the running of your small or medium-sized business. The fact is that, you know, I say that life doesn't follow a script and you shouldn't either. And much of what we know and we learn in books and we learn in textbooks in school and college as it plays out in the real world, doesn't always work that way. And so we live in a dynamic and a fast-changing world. Things are, you know, starting up and becoming obsolete so quickly, and so we have to always be adjusting. So the book is a guide or just chock full of of unconventional wisdom to the steps that you need to start up a company and take it, uh, to get it running, and then um, finish with the financial aspect, which which is kind of my day job. Uh, owner of uh, is the owner of Liquid Capital Solutions, which is a an alternative financing company here in Orlando, Florida. What's a, What's an example of a you know conventional wisdom versus unconventional wisdom? Like I mean, like something that that um, might resonate with our listeners, you know, particularly the small business owners. Sure, I'll, I'll start one out that I, I think is really relevant, and and it's I, I refer to it's called it's not about you, and it relate and it's about when we talk about our customers. Um, one of the things that we're taught always, and you see it all the time, is the customer comes first. And that's rule number one. And rule number two, the customer comes first. And rule number three, the customer, look at rule number one, two, and if you forget. If you forget. Yeah. And in reality, our, the, the customers, in reality, the customers, 
um, they're really focused on their business, and rightly so. Um, they're looking out for their business. They're looking out for their for their um, their company. They're looking out to maintain their margins, to make make sure their 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 shelves are stocked um, with products that sell out adequately and rapidly. And so they're really focused on their business. Every company has its own internal metrics, and so the people are paid and compensated, and, and they receive bonus rates based on those. And so one of the mistakes that we as small business owners make is that we think that our customers really care about us. And it's not that they don't care about us, but it's really not about us. It's really about them. And we have to keep that in mind all the time as we deal with them because we can get ourselves into situations which can maybe or ultimately compromise the health of our companies if we play too much into the needs of our own customers. Interesting. I'm trying to imagine um, an example where that would play out in my own business. Um, but what you're saying is, 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 is it also part of, partly like, like know where the customer wants to go, maybe not necessarily what they're asking for or what they're saying right now, strategically? Sure. It's, it's always good to know where they want to go, but they have a lot of they have a lot of operational things, the little operational check box, check uh, boxes that they have to check off, and so things like margin, things like sales rates or sales through, uh, things like costs that they need to offset, maybe marketing costs or transportation costs or bonuses or additional fees paid by the customer to support promotional or marketing campaigns. And so they need all of those things, and they go to their suppliers for those. And so in the need or the angst to try to satisfy and, and make the customer happy, we all of a sudden start finding find – you might find yourself giving away margin, paying oh, okay. more yeah. for transportation um, costs, putting more money into that company or that client for a promotion or a sale – uh, or a discount or a rebate. At the end of the day, when you put it all in the paper and you add it all up, the margin that you had planned for has gone out the window, and all of a sudden you're selling at a very slim margin, maybe even not even profitable anymore. And, and, and so I, I was just thinking, but and, and I wonder how many people actually even take the time to figure that out. You know, and when they do, they must. You know, you can sometimes be shocked at how how little your project or your product is yielding. Well, you know, small businesses they have a. They're, they're kind of like parents. They, they're, uh, or mom would say, sometimes they're like soccer moms. You know, they're so busy doing so many things, you know, being a mother, driving the kids here and there, uh, taking care of the household, working, managing their own lives, things like that. Business owners are kind of like that. I'm not a soccer mom. I don't know why I use that analogy, but it just kind of came to my mind. But, but works, I mean, it works. Small, business, uh, small businesses are like that because there's so much for us to do. Um, we have to manage the accounting. We have to manage the sales. We have to manage the customers. We have to manage the supply of products and services that we offer. We have to stay compliant. Um, we've got to pay our bills. We have to pay our taxes. And so sometimes you're so overwhelmed with being a small business owner, small business woman owner, or small business man owner, that you just don't have time to get into nitty-gritty and, 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 and dig deep and dig down into things as basic as the profitability of an account on a, on a customer-by-customer -customer basis. Mm. And that's where you get into trouble. It's really interesting. Uh, this morning, my team, uh, I've, I've got a, a film production company, Nanny, called Hemmings House Pictures. 
and we've been around for quite some time. Uh, and you know, we've we've gotten really tight with our with our uh, you know our metrics, and uh, you know, we're super super anal about making sure we we make our margins, etc. But we're finishing our year end this week, and we're just reviewing this stuff, and we realize that our gross profit percentage, which if you heard what it was, you'd be like, whoa, that's really, that's that's big. At, at the end of the day, it shuffles down to such a small <laughs> net profit after tax. We're like, okay, wait a minute. You know, we, uh, we have to figure something out here, you know? So just today we were looking at how many times do we say yes to a customer? Because what we sell is not cheap. I mean, like if, if you're going to spend $25,000, dollars $40,000 on a video, um, there's a good chance you're not going to want to spend forty-five thousand if, if if it's going to cost forty. So, we're typically in a place where we make an agreement with a customer, they say yes, and then you want to give it all the love that you can. And oftentimes that love comes halfway through the project. And you're like, oh, maybe we we should put that drone shot in or get that you know that extra special camera, which honors the customer big time, brings value which goes a long way in a lot of cases, but it eats away that margin. And it's when, when someone explained to me that the business, the margin of the business is the heartbeat of your child, hmm. right? Like you cannot let your baby die. Right. And that's what we're doing when we, we think we're doing good. And it's it, it, after doing this business for close to 20 years now, um, it's, it's really interesting that it's now just coming to light saying profitability is critical. And is this a little bit of the type of consulting that you're doing with, with people, hearing stories like that? Oh, absolutely. They might have a nice margin at the very at the gross margin level. So it's the service, um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the price minus the cost of that particular product or service. But then they start eat, whittling it down, like you just mentioned, with, with expenses. So admin expenses, tax expenses, payroll expenses advertising expenses, promo expenses, digital marketing expenses. And at the end of the day, there's nothing left. So that's what I see day in, day out. And so um, it is a fine line that uh, the business owner walks between, you know, maintaining profitability, maintaining the price for his product and services, and then maintaining his costs to serve that particular customer or customers so that at the end of the day, there's something left over for him. And there's a happy customer. That's the right. that's the factor, quote unquote, that is difficult to plan for. Are you make Are you thrilling your customer? And if you're asking, if you're if you're building your business on that alone, you're probably going to die. And I suspect that is what your book is about. It is. It, my book it is one component of my book. My book is really it, it's a guide that's going to walk you through from startup through the timeline, through your business model, through your product service offering, to your customer definition. And then we go into marketing. So we talk about two aspects of marketing. We talk about referral marketing, which is what we'll talk about a little bit here uh, going forward in the podcast. And then we talk about digital marketing. Then we talk about the all-important aspect of outsourcing. Mm -hmm. And then we finish it off, icing on the cake. We talk about factoring, which is which is my my bread and my bread and butter, and uh, what I do as my day job, and when I'm not talking to guys like you on the phone or or uh, <laughs> well, writing books. Well, can we? Would it be okay if we jumped in at outsourcing? Because I'm 
I'm yeah. really curious about that. And 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 for you to know, I, mean, I guess the background is I have a coaching business. We do a lot of a lot of outsourcing uh, to support um, um, how we deliver our services. I'd be curious about you know how you see it as a strategic advantage. Um, I would love just to enlighten us, you know, both Greg and I and our listeners. Well, well, outsourcing the way that I position it in my book, The Success Factor, you have your company and you have the people that make up your company. And each one of them is really good at a few things. They're, you know, you're, you're surrounding yourself by, implicitly surrounding yourself by, with excellent people, um, with the best people you can find for your particular situation. And they're really good at certain things, but they're not really good at other things. And those are the things that they're not good at or you're not good at. Those are the things that you outsource. In today's world, thank goodness, you can outsource everything. You can outsource your telephone service. You can outsource your website management. You can outsource your digital strategy. You can outsource um, your transportation warehousing. You can outsource, you can outsource your lead generation. You can outsource everything, you know. If, if you take the outsourcing strategy to the point where I'm saying it, it's, it's unconventional, you focus on those things that you do well and that you can do either yourself or someone in your company can do well um, and the other things you outsource. Um, and so you have to kind of go through this kind of internal analysis and say it's a four-step process that it begins with planning, picking, phasing, and partnering. So the planning phase is where you, you sit down and you, you identify all the processes in your company, the principal processes in the company, like accounting, bookkeeping, finances, prospecting, procurement, uh, product development, training, hiring. And then you ask yourself, what do you do best? What do you like to do? What do you not like to do? What could you pay someone else to do cheaper? And what could you do in a pinch if you had to? And you apply those filters to each one of the, the, the areas that you've identified in the step one. Then map out and say, okay, in year one, you're going you're gonna to phase these things. So you're going to, in year one, you're going to be doing, let's say out of your list, you're going to be doing maybe eight of them internally and two of them externally. As you grow your company, as it grows, it gets a little bit more muscle in the bone, you, you mature, you get more customers, you get more revenue, you get more mature in terms of your processes, then you start phasing out some of these and having your people do internally less of these internal activities and outsourcing them to the point where at the end, you're partnering or outsourcing a certain quantity of these processes and only focusing on what you do best. And, and say, look, you know, we're an expert. We're experts. To your example, you were experts at, 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 a, at production videos, and so we want to focus on creative writing, on filming, on looking up and, and investigating the most interesting stories. Also, probably maybe some prospecting for for corporate customers. You want to focus on those things that are most relevant or pertinent to your company, and all the extraneous or external things you're outsourcing. You're outsourcing because your pure focus is on your production video company, and that's what you want to work on. The other thing is you can outsource. You don't need to be hiring people to do bookkeeping. You don't need to be hiring people to be do accounting. You don't need to be hiring people, internal people, to be doing your transportation. You can outsource that. 
So it's really from the small business standpoint, focusing on what you know and do best and you love to do, and then kind of shelling out the other external activities because those are are not the things that you set up or founded the company to do. So, Ernani, what what is it that um, you know, it seems so obvious as you're laying it out? I'm curious, but like, what is it that how come more people aren't doing it? Like, what what is the stumbling block for for small business owners, in your opinion, around outsourcing? Well, I, I think we're in a I, I think we're in a kind of a do it yourself society, and that we have to do everything ourselves, and we're always looking we, and with with the false premise that doing it ourselves. We'll do it better and cheaper. In reality, that's not that's not the case. Many times, you you can find any number of really 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 well qualified professionals that will provide you outstanding quality services for for very competitive rates, and then frees you up time and your attention so that you can focus on your business, your your core business, whatever that is. And so there's kind of this misconception that, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do my accounting because I can have access to uh, a software program to do it. I'm going to do my own lead generation because I, I, know, that, I know this great app that you know, will help me do that. And so we're, we're kind of like it's the, it's, the, it's the Home Depot and the Lowe's uh, mentality of small business where we want to do everything ourselves and make the claim that that's not the optimal way. I think I would spend – I would prefer – spending my time focusing on providing customer management, prospecting, looking for new, doing new business development, and then managing the finances and the, the loans and the, the factory accounts that I have rather than doing some of the extraneous things that a small business owner has to do. Yeah, no, I, no, I couldn't, listen, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I would just add to the, 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 the obstacle or challenge. A lot of times people like, you know, to use your soccer mom analogy or they're so busy out, you know, and about, you know, kind of running around trying to keep everything going. That I, I, I think another piece of that is that people, they just sometimes, you know, it's just easier if I do it myself, right? And they're not really adding up how much that's costing them, right? Then spending the time to slow down, to find a good, you know, partner, as you say, or someone to that's that's much better at that. And then, you know, and, and generally when people, I would say, probably follow your steps, in retrospect, they always go, geez, why did I do that a lot earlier? But it's it for whatever reason for a lot of people, including me. I mean, I find situations where I go, ah, oh, feels like such a big lift to find someone and then you know you know outsource it and you know delegate it and all this kind of stuff. It just seems easier if I just do it myself. So so I just wonder if that's a piece of it as well. But um, well, you know, and I also want to respect the time we have here because there's some other things you want to talk about as well. I know, Greg, you're interested in the referral marketing. Yeah, uh, referral marketing, and then why don't we why don't we talk uh, talk about that? Ernani, and then Ray, and might as well end it off with factoring, which I think is a real interesting field, you know? So let's talk about uh, referral. And in, in my world, you know, referral is really, you know, just what, what we ask our clients to do. Hey, if you had a good, a good experience, do you mind letting other people know? But in the world of online businesses, referral and affiliate marketing and uh, all of this sort of thing, it's blowing up. Like, it's huge. Love to hear your take on all of that. Well, re- referral marketing is actually, um, it is one of the first forms of marketing that ever existed um, because it, it has at its, as, at, at its, at its core um, nothing more, nothing less than word of mouth. So you're, 
you're going to endorse a person or persons and products or services, um, you're going to say, oh, have you used this service? Have you, have you ever worked with this particular person? So you're going to endorse them by word of mouth. And referral marketing then is the systematic transfer of trust through word of mouth recommendations. So referral marketing is, 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 is systematizing the word of mouth recommendation. This is something we all know, we're all familiar with, but it has a couple of premises that are, that are key to it. The first one is that it has at its core the transfer of trust. So word, referral marketing requires that you establish or you create and establish trust between two, two persons and that one person trusts enough um, the other person that he wants to go out on a limb and then refer that person or that person's uh, services or products. So there has to be fundamentally a transfer of trust. In order for trust to occur, you have to develop a relationship, you know, and a relationship doesn't just happen. No, I meet you guys, run into you guys walking down the street. Um, Hi, Greg, Dave, Trinani, how are you? And all of a sudden we trust each other. No, trust is developed over time and um, it requires meetings, commitments, um, there, are, there are certain steps that are involved until you get to a particular point of trust where the other person knows you as a person, knows you as a professional, knows your business and what your business offers, and then feels comfortable enough that he can trust and offer a trustworthy word-of-mouth recommendation or endorsement for you and your product and services. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that, that's a real logical way of looking at that. You know, it's, it's simple, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? It is, it is, but it takes a lot of work. Yeah, that, and, and that's what was going through my head too. It's like nothing, you can't just sail through any of this. Building trust is huge. And as you're talking, I was thinking about, and my poor uh, listeners here on Bowling Point hear me talking about my emails all the time. That's the type of effort that it takes responding to people's people when they get in touch with you. That's building trust. Or if you send me an email or nanny and it takes me three weeks to get back to you, what's that say? You know, um, tr- like the, the, there's so many different touch points of trust building that will hopefully build a foundation for a referral. Well, we, well, you're absolutely right, and 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 it is a multifaceted exercise, and it's something that you have to do. You have to do it in different ways and dip, do it consistently. In my book, The Success Factor, we talk about, I borrowed a matrix from Paula Hope. Paula is one of the experts in North American referral marketing. She's a, a Canadian. And, and I adapted uh, a table that she uses, and I call it the Success Factor Referral Matrix. And it's a matrix that has five tactics that are essential to referral marketing. They are... One-on-one, face-to-face, online, peer referral, and events. And each one of those are separate activities, but they're different things that one does to expand their social capital and and build out their referral marketing base. So one-on-one is is pretty uh, self-explanatory. It's the things that I would do with another person one-on-one, maybe a breakfast meeting, maybe a coffee, meeting people and telling them who I am, what my business is, what I have to offer, why I'm different, 
and why they can ultimately trust me um, and provide an endorsement for a mutual connection between the two of us. The second one is face-to-face, and this is giving FaceTime. So being out and about, circulating, making contacts, purchasing, going to trade events or trade shows, just making yourself known because out of sight is out of mind. And if you're not showing up and your pretty face is not showing up places, then no one's going to remember you when it's crunch time, when they're looking for a provider of a service, uh, video production services or a factoring services or an interesting podcast, they're not going to remember you. So you've got to have your face. You've got to give some face time and get your face out there and, and, uh, and, and, and be known. The third one is online, and that's probably the easiest for the current population of professionals and millennials today. That's something that they do very, very easily. Probably the first two, one-on-one, and face is a little bit more difficult for them. If you think about it, they really feel more comfortable um, with their smartphones or working off of a computer or a laptop, and so they're very comfortable working, you know, endless hours. But so, you know, maintaining your online presence on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, publishing, blogging, writing, um, corresponding, liking, commenting, all these things are maintaining your online presence. And that's the kind of the digital virtual aspect of referral marketing. The fourth one is a pure referral. And this is, has at, at its base giving, where I know you two guys and I'm going to be giving referrals on about you to other people. So I'm going to be in the giving mode where I'm out endorsing other people. I'm out writing recommendations about other people. I'm out calling people and say, hey, I met this guy and he has this service. Are you looking for a video? I, last time we had a chat, you were talking to me about you want to do some things. Are you thinking about a video, product, a, a video for your company? I met you guys that have a great video production company. Let me tell you about them. So it's where you go out and you offer unselfishly and you give referrals to others because as we give, it comes back to us abundantly and it comes back to us many times over. So the more we give unselfishly, the more it comes back to us. And then the last one is, I don't know, I think it's one of the funnest things is events, you know, go to events. You know, you're going to events at your chamber of commerce, you're going to trade shows, um, you're going to, uh, wine and dines, you're going to cocktail parties, you're going to seminars, training, you're going to events so that you're meeting people that are maybe not necessarily in your circle of your particular business. They can be from all walks of the corporate world, but you're out there and you're actively um, working the crowd at an event. So those are kind of the five premises and tactics that one uses to build their social capital and systematize their referral marketing. This is really um, topical, Ernani, because Dave and I, with our podcast, we are soon to announce some really cool things um, that are, are going to be covering a lot of the things that you just talked about, which is really exciting. So I'm, I'm stoked to read the book. And uh, sadly, we're, we're coming close to the end, but I do want... Let's cover factoring. Let's, let's touch factoring real yeah, quick. I'd, I'd yeah, I'd like to touch on it because this is what you do. This is your business, and it's a different way for entrepreneurs to leverage debt and get cash in. Um, I don't know enough about it, but can you, why, why don't you give us the uh, 
the cheat sheet notes about uh, the world of factoring? Factoring has been a lot around for a long time, and it's it's basically when it's basically advancing funds against servicers services rendered. So you've delivered a video, awesome video to this client, and they say, "Great, Greg and Dave, we love this video. It's beautiful." But our accounts payable department, they pay in 60 days. Is that okay? And you two look at each other and you kind of say, yeah, okay. And you leave the meeting and turn around and then you pick up the phone and you call me. And what we do is we advance against that invoice that you have. So let's say it's a $10,000 invoice. We'll generally advance around 80% of the value of the invoice and provide, let's say, $8,000. And then we have essentially purchased that invoice. That invoice belongs to us. And now when your customer pays us, we, prov- we advance you the balance minus our fees. So advancing has been around for thousands of years. It's very, very big in Canada. It's big in Europe. It's big in South and Latin America. Uh, it's not as big in the U.S., surprisingly, uh, as you would think. Uh, it is a $3 trillion industry here, uh, excuse me, globally, but, um, but it's growing in the United States as people recognize the value. They see that, gee, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, and I'd rather have my money today than tomorrow. And so factoring provides you working capital and cash so that you can grow your business. Uh, it's not debt, so it doesn't show up on your balance sheet. And so you're not taking out a loan from your bank that's going to show up and you have to make a payment every month. Basically, we're providing you your money as you do your business. And so as you're making sales, generating invoices, we're advancing against those invoices and providing you the working capital that you need to grow your business. What would you say an average percentage of of, of the factor would be, or on your fees, etc.? Just because that's really interesting, you know, because cash flow issues are universal, and it sucks to dip into the line of credit. It sucks to get debt to to push yourself through. This is a real valid way for people to move forward. So, but what's it going to cost? Well, factoring generally costs in the industry anywhere from two to three percent a month. Now, I always am, I'm always reluctant to provide that number because it's not a, it's not you don't take two percent and multiply by twelve and go oh it's twenty four percent. That's not how it works because your money is not outstanding for three hundred sixty five days in the year. Your invoice is outstanding for a period of time, and then you're just being charged for the money um, for the period of time um, that your invoice is outstanding and that you've received an advance for. So, Interesting. So. It, so, that, so I was just going to say that that motivates the the business owner to be to be on their on the receivables. On the receivables. Exactly. Oh, Absolutely. so so that so that's where they still have skin in the game. Ah, that's, okay. I was wondering I, I, how that played out. Okay. And and are they just out of curiosity? Are they, let, let's pretend I sold Dave a video and he's going to take sixty days to pay me. I'm like, yeah, why, why we could you, do why this. Are you, why are you airing this laundry? Well, I, here? I don't know. I, I just thought it'd be funny to do that. Uh, it's going to take sixty days to do it. Does Dave need to know I'm I'm going to a factor uh, a factoring lender or is Dave going to end up writing the check to my company or are they actually is he do I have to say hey Dave I'm, I'm can gonna, you write the I'm, check I'm to I'm going to answer okay gonna, you answer the, the the customer will never know is my am I correct on that or nanny well actually there are, there are two types of factoring there's recourse factoring and non recourse factoring and and recourse factoring is when the customer knows and so you're you're setting them up and they receive what's called an assignment and a notification letter that basically says, Greg and Dave have hired me in the interest of improving 
their accounts receivable management. Greg and Dave have hired me um, to manage their accounts receivables. So um, from today onward, you will pay uh, my company, uh, ABC Factoring, uh, for the invoices that are generated. And so I'll provide you um, instructions on how to pay. You can pay either through a wire transfer, a wire transfer uh, or to a PO box with a check. Um, but essentially, you're paying me because I'm purchasing all of Greg and Dave's invoices. That's one type. And the other type is, which is a smaller percentage of the business because um, it, it, it has additional requirements. If you don't tell the customer, you don't want the customer to know, then that has a whole series of other additional requirements and makes it a little bit more complicated. So, um, so the preferred way is to really let the customer know. But see, that's one of the misnomers mm. or the myths about factoring because people always think, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh my gosh, what will they think? We're factoring our receivables. Well, the fact of the matter is, and that's what I talk about in my book, they don't really care. Right. Because they probably have an accounts receivable department or a clerk that's paying the phone bill, the electricity bill, the leases on the cars, the rent on the building, the digital marketing guy, the website you know, guy. And so it's just one more bill that they're paying. And so it's really not that relevant. And so this is one of the things that I try to disarm my clients if they have a concern about it, that it doesn't reflect anything. It doesn't say, oh, my business is in jeopardy. Oh, my business is in hot water. No. Yep. And actually, it's a, smart, it's a smart decision on your part that you want to, coming back to my earlier conversa- our earlier conversation about outsourcing, you want to outsource your accounts receivable management and put it in the hands of professionals so that you can focus on video productions or podcasts or writing content or doing new business development because that's what you like to do and that's what you do best. I think that so is really buy. cool. It's it's a, you're being a good yeah. steward of your business. In other words, I mean, people will get that as your as your point to your customers. You know, absolutely. Th- th- their yeah. customer will go, ah, Hemming's House Pictures. I mean, they're on they're on it. They're they're just being efficient. You know, and they've yeah. got a good outsourced partner. Exactly, and 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 he's he's going to spend his precious precious time doing things that number one he likes, and number two he's good at. And so, um, so you know, the factoring is not just the, is not the cost of the money, but it's we provide, we do the credit analysis, we establish credit limits, we do the underwriting of the factoring, we do the collections, and then we help you uh, establish and manage your uh, your accounts receivable so that you have healthy accounts receivable. So the fee that you pay are for all of those services. So it's just not the cost of the money, but it's the additional services mm. that we provide. So that's um, that's massive added value because one of the worst nightmares of all entrepreneurs is picking up the phone saying, dude, it's 45 days. It's supposed to be 30. Particularly, especially if you are... This you're 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 delivering the service yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. It's, it's, it's a tough. very awkward conversation. Yeah, because then now now we're talking about nothing to do with the service I'm delivering, but we're talking about you know the financial aspect, and it can be really yeah, I agree. So you guys essentially your industry uh, is a outsourced accounts receivable service essentially, and you, you and if they're, if they're late yeah, in payment, I, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to put it in that I don't want to because I don't want to classify like that you know we are we're factored this is alternative financing because so this is a type of financing which is a not, which is an alternative or non-conventional financing but we provide the service of accounts receivable mm, management I love it I think you know what man you you just explained it to me because I've always been aware of it I've never experimented with it it was really good to put it in those terms that's uh, so how do people learn more about 
about you know the first off the book because yeah, they'll, the they'll, book. they'll want to dig into that and then more about um, you know your company and, and liquid capital and in you know the potential to to touch base with you. Well, my book is uh, the success factor on conventional wisdom for small business success, and and you can find information on my book at www.successfactormedia.com. You can go there and it'll tell you about the book. You can learn a little bit about me. Um, the book is, is on sale uh, at, on Amazon. It's on Amazon in Canada. It's on Amazon in the United States. It's on Amazon in Brazil and in Japan and Norway and, and Finland and Iceland. And so you can buy it on Amazon on many, many places around the world if you are listening to this podcast and you're not in the U.S. or in Canada. You can buy it at IndieBound, and you can buy it at Powell's. So the online retailers, the online booksellers, uh, all my, my book is uh, listed with them, and so you can buy it there. Um, and then um, if you are interested in factoring services, then you can reach me at, at Liquid Capital. My site is... Uh, liquidcapitalcorp.com. I'm looking at it right now. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you just outsourced. Rock, you just outsourced it. You outsourced <laughs> it to me. I appreciate that. I'll send the. I will send you the invoice. Um, right. There so, you go. Exactly. So on the Liquid Capital Corp for business owners, small business owners that are, that are curious, is do you do you offer that service? Is it specifically just in in your state, in your country, uh, North America, globally? Like how does that how does that work? Well, Liquid Capital is, is actually, it's a Canadian multinational, and they're headquartered in Toronto. And we have principals, which are business owners like myself, spread across North America, so um, Canada in the U.S. There are about 90 of us, and each one of us has an assigned territory. I'm the lucky guy that got Orlando, and so I, I, I have the Orlando territory. We have about eight principals like myself in Florida. We have um, principals in South Florida. I'm a colleague in Tampa. Um, we have a gentleman that works uh, out of Georgia that handles Jacksonville. And so we've got um, assigned territories. And so if you're in one of those assigned territories, you go to Liquid Capital site, www.liquidcapitalcourt.com, and you go to what, what city you're in. You're in Toronto. You're in Albuquerque. You're in Phoenix. You're in Baltimore. And you see who the Liquid Capital principal is in, is in your town, and you reach out to them. Nice. And they'd be more than happy to to attend you and to meet you and to talk to you about your business needs, your financing needs. Thank you. You know what? Really appreciate your time, Ernani. And, and a shout out to um, to your PR folks that connected us. Um, really helpful information. Mm. Uh, I'm, like, I'm going to give a plug to them again. Rebecca Ruddle and Carol Wood from Succinct Social Media. Nice. Yes, because I mean that's very cool, and it's just so nice to. And it sounds like you know, it feels like we've met before. I don't know. It's, it's kind of that's the the tone sometimes these interviews take. So, but looking forward to um, to reading about the success. And factor. please ask uh, the 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 lovely wizards at succinct social media to blast this particular episode out when it comes out. That's what the, he's outsourcing. They're paid it's to do outsourced. that, man. It's outsourced. It's all good. <laughs> Nanny, thanks so much for your time, my friend. Really helpful. Uh, best wishes on the sales of the book, and I know that we'll continue to, uh, to stay in touch, my friend. Stay well. Greg, thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it, and best of luck to you. And again, thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. Take, take, take care. care. See ya. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye now. Well, cool. you, you can tell both of us have an AR issue. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's funny because like like the uh, the other top is super super interesting. Yeah. But as soon as we start learning about factoring, uh, factoring like, and fixing our cash flow, it's like yeah, man, that's oh, awesome. That's so funny. I was like, like, and and it, you can tell that's his bread and butter. Like he he's you know I mean it's all uh, but it, you know when he got there you could just yeah, tell yeah, just, yeah he knows, this guy knows this it, is it down and this and, is it. and I'll tell you you know what it's so interesting but like like what I there's so much to know there's so much to learn. And even if you've been in the game for like you, uh, you know, over a decade or like myself, um, you know, you're still learning all the time because there's just different things that, and like this whole, like I'll tell you outsourcing, if anyone that I talk to is saying, you know, what's the advice you'd give me, you know, I'm starting a business. I say, don't do the accounting yourself unless you're an accountant. Even then I wouldn't do it myself, Mm. you know, um, don't, you know, get a good lawyer, you know, get someone who's who's can help you with your get digital media. Get a good coach. Coach could always help. But you know what I mean? Like, it, and, and focus on what you do really well and not try to be everything but to do, everyone. Do you know what's funny though? I was thinking about that, about the course that you and I are taking right now, the product launch formula course. Mm. And I'm so interested in it. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And that's taking me down to another course that's coming out of it with clickfunnels.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm taking this stuff in my own hands. I'm not outsourcing that, but I've got the brain I think that most entrepreneurs do is I want to figure out how the stuff works before I outsource it. Do you know? In, and well, and actually, that's an interesting because I know we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole here. But I was actually thinking the same thing because he's pretty. This, Jeff Walker is going pretty deep in this product launch formula, pretty deep into you know kind of marketing strategy, mm-hmm. right? And and you have and I was thinking, well, I, I happen to be interested in it as well. Yeah. Right. But if it was like. You know, I'm 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 kind of interested in the idea of factoring, but I don't really care about the nuances and the right, subtleties of it. Right. I'd rather just outsource. outsource okay, it. I get it. I get it conceptually, but I mean, I think you and I probably would have a, an interest in, um, you know, in 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 promoting your brand, and you know, and that's probably part one of our strengths. Right. And we probably at least we're passionate like, about that topic. That yeah. yeah. So yeah. so that helps. But I was thinking the same thing. I go, man, I'm getting we're getting pretty we're getting pretty deep in this. Like we're <laughs> we're up to our eyeballs in it. Right. So I, I think we're giving hints to our listeners of what's happening. Well, we're not. You know, we'll we'll just keep on seeding this stuff out. Yeah. So that was great. Fun um, time. Yeah, it's good times. We'll see you next week, Dave. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. 
and thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.